Montana is very empty. <laughs> Ricardo's just staring at Google Maps now. <laughs> uh, I love doing so. Uh, thinking about the food in the places. Hello, welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and Skype to discuss it. My name is Ricardo Deacon. My name is Orlin Venus. And you're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Happy Monday or whatever day of the week you decided <laughs> to listen to this episode. What is time? This week's episode was chosen by Orla. Mm-hmm. It is Certain Women from 2016. Hey, Will, good news. Your lawyer's here. No one understands what my life has become. I don't mean to keep you from getting to work or anything. I just knew if I didn't start driving, I wasn't going to see you again. I didn't want that. so lovely to think that if I were a man, people would listen and say, okay. Oh, it would be so restful. An unhappy client constantly troubles Laura, a small town lawyer. An unhappy Gina feels her husband constantly undermines her. Jamie, who lives alone on a ranch, is attracted to Beth, a lawyer. I was going to tell you on Tuesday I asked for a replacement because of the uh, drive. That drive is pretty bad. <laughs> right. I don't mean to keep you from getting to work or anything. I just knew if I didn't start driving, I wasn't going to see you again. I didn't want that. That's all. So, Orla, why did you pick certain women? <laughs> uh... <laughs> There are women, and I am certain about them. Uh, <laughs> there's this thing that happens sometimes with like certain filmmakers where I watch their movies with a combination of interest, joy, and envy. Uh, <laughs> where you watch somebody and they just they they're so pure, you know, like they just they know exactly what they're doing and exactly what they want to achieve. And from a person who, like, often finds myself lacking in confidence of, of like, the vision of what I'm trying to achieve with projects, like, I hate saying vision, it's so, it's so trite, but it's, it's a combination of having the vision and also that she has the talent to execute the vision. Uh, like, I hate, I hate you, Kelly, but I also, I love you very deeply. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of stumbled onto her like relatively early. Um, Wendy and Lucy was, um, God, that's like 2011 maybe. Uh, but I bought it when I used to go into like Laser, RIP, uh, or even just like HMV. And I would go in and I would just pick up random DVDs and buy them and go, that looks nice. And usually if it had, you know, Criterion on it, you know, you usually had a pretty good, <laughs> I had a pretty good run. But uh, I bought it and... Uh, it absolutely destroyed me. Um, it's, it's one of the films that, like, makes me, like, ugly cry. 
Uh, <laughs> and like, I don't cry at movies an awful lot. And if I do, it's usually very brief. Like I'll well up or, you know, like same as like if I'm watching, you know, the news or <laughs> most recently, uh, per your recommendation, we watched the uh, uh, Spike Lee uh, documentary on um, fucking criti- uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina and Jesus Christ. I will never recover from that thing. But, um, <clears throat> you know, where you like, you get emotional, you get kind of, but like, there's something about Wendy and Lucy that absolutely destroys me. Um, and for a long time, I'd actually, it was one of the movies from the very start of this podcast I had debated picking. Um, and I never really could bring myself to do it because I think it's flawed and I couldn't handle picking through it. <laughs> You know, because I have such a visceral memory of the first time watching it. Um, and it shares a lot of characteristics with this film. Um, and I just, I think around, it was probably around the time that we'd done a few movies at the start of the podcast and uh, you didn't like them very much. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not ready. <clears throat> and then whenever Night Moves came out, um, a film that I like, but I don't love, it's kind of a different film for her. It's more of a thriller. Uh, around the time when Jesse Eisenberg was like the hottest actor ever. Um, a movie that I hate. Uh, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I just, I waited. I, I, I lay in wait basically until what felt like the right time to finally pick a Kelly Reichardt film. And uh, I watched uh, Certain Women this year and was like, uh, I love her. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's uh she's super duper interesting. When I was uh researching her, she kind of reminded me of um uh of um oh god, I forgot her name. Uh your one who directed Between the Lines, uh um so uh fuck what I can't remember her name. Uh where she has a kind of a like classic women woman in film uh particularly in like beginning in the 90s and stuff of where she made a movie that had a, like a lot of like splash um you know did well at Sundance all that kind of thing and then spent the next 10 years trying to get the money to make another one um so there was a really big gap uh between her films and in the meantime she um uh was a lecturer she taught film production basically um although hopefully with less bitterness than some of the <laughs> lectures that we had in film school uh <laughs> as jack black said in school of rock those who can't do teach and those who can't teach teach p <laughs> teach jim uh uh yeah so but she a lot like a lot of like female filmmakers or a lot of filmmakers where they kind of get knocked down uh she didn't, she didn't give up she kept going and never really wavered she just continued making the movies that she wanted to um yeah there's something like something still so revolutionary about having like strong flawed female characters and like very depressing um but also just like working through their ordinary lives like it's so rare that you have films or tv shows or or you know where women just sort of just sort of like quietly struggle through their very ordinary lives. There is such a lack of drama in this film and I absolutely love it. Um, Even like the opening scene of this is just, it's so, from, from the very like first shot, you're like, she's having an affair. It is so beautifully done. There's just something about her lying on the bed and him being in the bathroom and her being so like, 
alone within this scene with this guy it's oh god it is there's some really really like it's beautifully shot movie but um Todd Haynes actually is uh, one of the producers on this. Um, he's, he wasn't listed on the what you read out there, but I don't know like what his actual. I don't uh, know if he, he was had... an executive producer. Yeah, S- similarly to Tarantino, sometimes executive producers is just like a name that you put in. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure it was it was just for his plight. Um, yeah. but they're actually they're really good friends. They've been friends since uh, from the 90s, as far as I can tell. Um, but she's also really good friends with Bong Joon-ho. Um, so director Bong? On, yeah, director Bong. She was on the, the Cannes panel uh, that awarded to the, him the Palm d'Or for Parasite. Um, Nepotism. There is this adorable interview with the two of them in the Atlantic from uh, like what 2019, um, where <laughs> she said, I love this quote so much. She's like, I was on the Cannes jury with Yorgos, brackets, Lanthimos. And whenever, <laughs> wherever we walked, people were asking Yorgos for his autograph. And he would go, oh, excuse me, Kelly, I have to go give my autograph. So when Bong won and he told me he liked my films in front of Yorgos, it was a very big moment for me. I was like, oh, that's so pure. <laughs> so, like, the fact is, like, I was just hanging out with Yorgos Lanthimos. <laughs> and, like, they just, they gush over each other. It is, it is the sweetest thing. I love it so much. Um, yeah, this is uh, very much, uh, like a lot of her movies, it is uh, deemed as a feminist picture. Uh, I was thinking, like, the last... Damn movie- feminists. <laughs> <laughs> last, yes <laughs> the last movie that we did that also got sort of like branded with that was uh portrait of a lady on fire uh and there's definitely like comparisons that you can make between her and uh celine Sciamma. but uh i'd also compare her to uh chloe Zhao, um like with nomad lad and her other movies like there's definitely they're kind of like tone tone cousins i'll say um, nomad land is uh what would happen if Terrence Malick wasn't so self-involved? <laughs> I do wonder if we can just like, are there, there's definitely like a list of directors where we could just sort of like take their career and money and just give it to a woman and see what happens. Uh, <laughs> there's something, there's something about the weariness of, uh, of female filmmakers that have been in the industry for a long time or just like, uh, <laughs> I find very relatable. Uh, yeah, this I love this movie. Um, it's 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 such a lived-in world. Like it is multi-layered. Uh, there's something about like it's just it's so everyday, and the lack of drama I find incredibly soothing. Like like this is a movie that has. <laughs> has a hostage situation it ha- technically has a car crash it has like you know a breakup and yet none of those things are handled in in anything other than this is just something that happened to me today like it's almost the hostage scene especially and the setting it feels almost coen brothers at times and like there are moments that she nails both in like the performance but also in the editing that make it so funny like whenever the guy takes over from kirsten stewart and walks up and she's like i practice law here in town and as some of you know and the rest of you you would find out soon enough i am recently divorced 
that it absolutely kills me. Like it's just so good. Um, also, whenever uh, what's his name is doing the crab thing with the bottle, I was showing him my poses. This is the crab. We call it the crab. And she just stands there and stares at him and just says nothing. Oh God, it, it absolutely, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a movie that you think is going to be like entertaining and yet somehow it is. It's so good. Uh, yeah. So in, uh, in conclusion, this movie, it really seeps like into my bones. Um, there's a great quote from Zan Brooks in the Guardian, um, about her films in general, where, um, these films do not so much resolve as dissolve. They leave us dangling, forcing to write their third acts in our heads, uh, which he means is sort of a criticism, but also uh, I think kind of gets to the, like something about this film just kind of bleeds out. Like it, it bleeds into like the sections bleed into the, each other and it like, it, it sort of lives in my head. Um, uh, oh, also final point. I forgot, I forgot to say the third part of this is the strongest part of this film, which I find also very interesting. Without further ado, Ricardo, what did you think of certain women? Well, to begin, I would just have to contextualize my relationship with Kelly Reihardt. The oh, fuck filmmaker. yeah. Also. <laughs> um, like in a way, like it's kind of annoying. Uh, well, like obviously it's very much less annoying for myself than for the women involved. The fact that there's very few female directors is not due to lack of talented female filmmakers. Is obviously the structure that they're participating in. Or interest, in. also. If I hear oh, yeah. one more person talking about how women just like being producers. <laughs> like Get in the ditch. <laughs> but, like, uh, uh, and it, it's the same as, like, fucking science or anything else. That it is, like, there's so many barriers that the ones that get through... Like, and it's not, unfortunately, just women. It's also, like, people of color. And so then it's, like, you have people like Chloe Zhao that is, like, how did you do it? You're, like, a person yeah. of color and a woman. <laughs> it's, <know>. like, uh, <laughs> and, um, but at the same time, it's one of those things that they go, like, oh, yeah, but it makes you a better filmmaker because you were able to. <laughs> but at the same it's, like, fucking, what is it, Brett Ratner is a multimillionaire. It's, like, that guy is Brett Ratner. The less yeah. said about him, the better. But yeah. when it comes, yeah. like, I, I, I'm making the point in a way uh, that it's annoying, like I said, obviously more annoying for the women involved. But is that whenever a female director comes forward and gets clout and recognition and uh it's popping up in av club or indie wire whatever you feel kind of like oh i have to like that person's movies mm -hmm. you know what i mean like because it's like there's so few that come through yeah. the like i feel not less like that now i think yeah like now it's getting slightly yeah. better and also like my relationship with filmmaking and films in general have changed a little bit over the years but going back to her movies uh i seen wendy and lucy i think i seen her first movie i think with the exception of first cow which i really want to see like uh haven't seen um, it either very excited <clears throat> uh with the old the exception of that movie, I uh, seen all her movies now, 
because you picked this movie that was like the the one remaining movie in general night moves i hated but like i it's just like not a movie for me uh but all the other films that i've seen of hers i liked but uh, especially like meets cut off and wendy and lucy is movies that i like but i think i wish i liked them more you know mm-hmm. what i mean that it's nearly there kind of thing and it, i think certain women to a certain degree is the same no uh, <laughs> and, I think is in a way like uh, you alluded to it before is that the third part is better than the first two parts, but also is that is vastly better. And because mm. it, like there's no way of fixing it, because if you put it in the middle, there like the last bit, you'll be disappointed. If you put it first, you go in and if you put it last, you go like, I enjoyed the first two bits. But mm-hmm. I wish that it was like 90 minutes of this, mm. you know, like and also because there's enough there to cover 90 minutes. Mm. I don't think that because at the end of the day, this is like three separate short movies, 30 minutes each. Thereabouts. And mm-hmm. I think that the first two work perfectly as that, as like short movies, 30 minutes. But the last one it's so beautiful and it works perfectly as 30 minutes but it also would have worked as 90 minutes well the other two they just stay like they're they stay as they're there long for as they long need. enough yeah. yeah and then they need it yeah and i think um it's one of those things of film balancing that like yeah you finish like it's one of those things that i finished watching it a couple of days ago I was like, oh, I love this movie. And then I kept thinking back on it. And all I could think, I kept no, thinking about was the last part. It marinated. Part. <laughs> no, but like the thing is that like I just kept thinking about the last part of the movie. Like uh, particularly the Michelle Williams part, I really didn't care for. Like mm. uh, even while watching it, it's not like offensively bad, but like especially because it's sandwiched between two parts that are better. Uh, mm. uh, because like Laura Dern's part is like more unique and also uh, more I interesting and I love Laura Dern like mm. uh, I think that the best thing that ever happened was whenever um, David Lynch was campaigning for Laura Dern to be nominated for Inland Empire but like the <laughs> studio didn't want to back so he just sat in a garden chair in front of a billboard that he paid for smoking the whole day with like a picture of Laura Dern behind him like say like for your consideration kind of thing <laughs> and uh, and it's oh, well worth it like so I, lo- I love her like she mm. is incredible as an actor like I love Jared Harris like God bless him, he can't do an American accent, but he tries. He he can't, but he does. He does give that character a lovely sort of a roundness that I like. But yeah, the accent is all over the place. Ah, like he he's never managed it, but he's such a good actor that like it he matter. makes it specific enough that it's consistent. The problem <laughs> with bad accents is when it's just fucking everywhere, depending uh... on the sentence. You know what I mean? In this movie, like, obviously, like, Charlie Harris is amazing. Love him in The Terror, love him Mad Men, love him uh, in 32A, love him fucking... 
everything. Crazy, eh? Whoa, Jesus Christ. Oh, Irish cinema. <clears throat> I love Michelle Williams, don't get me wrong. And I like your man, the, is your man. Let's yeah, he man. is. He is your man and everything. I love it. <laughs> uh, and I, I like their performances and everything, but it was somewhat less specific than the other two, like, uh, films. Mm. And I know that, it, like, they're all based on separate short stories or novellas. So I know that, in a way, they're flawed in adaptation, in a way. As in, like, since... It's three different pieces being adapted that probably were intended as individual parts. Mm. They don't necessarily cohe- uh, become cohesive as a whole. I think that the first film, like the first part and the third part does, but the middle part not necessarily is linked as a movie. And I think that it's one of these issues that I can't figure out and the only like I was trying to figure out in my brain how could I fix it not in the way that I was like not saying that I'm better than Kelly Reichardt because <laughs> I'll never make something as good as her movies like just putting it out there but in my personal you, Kelly. in my personal kind of sensibility let's say I think that the movie could have been longer hmm and I think that most importantly is not because of drama, but because of narrative tension that the three bits should have been intercut together. Mm. Like, if it was longer, you would have been able to, like, but not intercut and send us, like, scene by scene by scene kind of thing. Mm. It's kind of like because they're happening in the same city. Like, you know, like at the moment that uh, the uh, in the Kirsten Stewart part at the end, that Laura mm-hmm. Dern shows up for a second, like it would have been like a like a transition there. And then and you then spend you like 20 her minutes up the stairs, and, then you, yeah. and then you go to the next character, like because it's all being said in like, it's not even fucking like Jesus, Montana, the size of fucking... <laughs> Portugal, even bit, it's like twice the size of Portugal with the population of Galway. It's amazing. <laughs> God, Montana, the sound of the wind in this movie like kills me. It gets into your bones. This is a very frosty movie. But like, uh, what I meant is like that thing that is like not doing like an intercut completely. But if you had the movie to be like two hours and a half or something, that I think that those stories have the room to breathe. And then think, you went yeah. from one to another and kind of like you could link them a little bit better as well. Uh, not necessarily like that is necessary, but I think it would fix to a large degree that the middle part is weaker because it wouldn't feel like a middle part. You know mm. what I mean? It's just that it feels weaker because you spend a half an hour with Laura Dern and Jared Harris. And then half an hour with these people that I don't particularly care for. And then mm-hmm. half an hour with these people that I fucking love and I want to spend my entire life with, you know, like, and even like <laughs> just listening to Kirsten Stewart talking about driving at night. It's amazing. And cutting burgers is like, it's oh so my specific. God. It was uh, like every fucking time I watch that scene, I'm like, it's, it's like, 
it's so it's like I believe in that character so much. And the fact that she like her clothes, like she wears like a sweater vest at one point with like like mom jeans and it's just everything like when she's shuffling into her office at the end like Kirsten Stewart has she she's really for a person who is very very striking she has a way of like just shuffling through and like of a kind of a like worn out sense that she imbues really well and I'm trying to think there are there are other actors that can do it as well that like and it doesn't feel as if she's like, you know, oh, dressing down or like give her the Oscar for, you know, like not wearing makeup or whatever. Like she has a sort of a harried sense sometimes that when used correctly is just, oh, oh, I know, so good. I know that it'd be like almost sacrilege, but like I, I think the movie would have been better with just two parts. With like Laura Dern and Kirsten Stewart, like the middle part is really the problem for me in the movie. Yeah. And I think that because it is like a third of the movie, I can't ignore it. And it becomes like this thing that is like really, really, really like the beginning. Fucking love the ending. Middles are right. You know, if the entire movie was the middle, like the, the Michelle Williams bit. I would have been like, mm. oh, yeah, it's an all right movie. But it pills so much in comparison with the other two. And I don't think it's like, you know, like even the humor and stuff. Like uh, I was t- trying to think about like other quote unquote anthology movies. And I thought about uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Mm. And the reason that that movie works is that even though like the quality there are weak, really well, yeah, varies, but... is that the pacing from one to the other to the other really works so there's no kind of even if there's like the tom waits part is by far the best <laughs> you know altogether. so the thing with the other parts is that you have like moments that it just tells an entire life like mm. one little thing while the michelle williams part like it feels like a movie all the other two, mm. it feels even though it's completely unrealistic, it's very much you're inside this stylistic world. It still feels real enough that you can lose yourself in it. And every moment is telling a little tale, you know, like every look at something. And I think that the, Sorry, the problem with just, the. Um, Sorry, just uh, for some reason, this didn't hit me until just now. I feel like this movie and a lot of her movies in particular are like the kind of story that uh, Ken Cosgrove would write in Mad Men. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Jared Harris would be there uh, fist fighting yeah. fucking Pete in the corner. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, like, uh, like, it, like I was not proponing to cut the middle part initially because mm. I really like Michelle Williams and I think it was like she should be more movies rather than less. So don't take her out of the movie. I think it's just maybe it should have been adapted more. Like I think that like from like the little that I've read is that the, the three parts are fairly, fairly um, faithful to the source. And I think mm. that the middle part perhaps should have been changed a little bit more to fit within like a whole rather than 
but at the same time it's like it's perfectly fine like i said it's like mm. it's really made weaker because it's preceded by a better part and like even the bit with the 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 guy selling the rocks that whenever he's talking about how he built the house with his brother and he'll never finish it because now he's 78 and it's mm. so sad and melancholic and it's like he felt like this confusion that he's like i fell when my friends are here so they rang the ambulance and then he says that like nobody was there and like michelle williams is like which one is it kind of thing doesn't matter really but like obviously um it has some reason to be in the movie but the first and last part are dealing with like life-changing situations but the movie doesn't deal mm. with them as life-changing situations well the middle part is about can we get rocks and it's like i know that there's like more into it but like the conflict <laughs> the like the first one is like should i get involved in other people's lives mm. it's not even about like jared harris like having a hostage situation or whatever it's like about laura Dern going should i cross that line that i become involved in other people and in a way it's like the whole part like it comes to the title that is the idea of certain women that mm -hmm. it is like for one that it takes a man to explain to fucking Jared Harris the situation for him to fucking buy it but then it's also like the part that like yes it comes with problems being a woman and a lawyer because of society not because she's a lesser lawyer for it but also because she is in touch with her femininity as well. It makes her a different lawyer to male lawyers. And it makes her a better lawyer for her clients. And I think that the movie really walks the line of being like. Yeah it's harder to be a lawyer when you're a woman. But also you shouldn't try to be a male lawyer when you're a woman. Mm. And I think it, it, because Kirsten Stewart is also a female lawyer you have the link between the two mm -hmm. but it's like the different approaches the idea of a career the idea of like the even when you're selling shoes for example that she mentions it when you're a guy even if you have the same background you can aspire to be the manager of the shoe store but mm -hmm. it's much harder to do the same as a woman kind of thing or open your own business in america etc etc so like having that link there and then it's also like the idea that she's a good teacher because she ha she has this connection to the people she's not above them you know and even like the little details of like moving the horse and feeding you know like the process of everything or bringing the horse over and like Kirsten Stewart going up it's like there's a lot of memorable moments and like the middle part Ooh. just doesn't and again it's like it's so annoying because you could put either like something else in there or cut or do something else like it's what i keep like always is when i'm most annoyed is when i'm watching a movie that i so close to loving like if you had the first part that's a 45 minute or an hour like like if it was a mini series like what was it the uh, francis mctormand series um 
Kitteridge. Oh, um, oh, all of Kitteridge. Yeah. Oh, I love that show. Well, you know how it's like three parts that are pretty much feature movies as well. Yeah. And like the middle part is by far the weakest as well. But because <laughs> you don't watch it, you don't binge it. You know, you watch one, then the other, then the other. You're not like, oh, the middle part sags now. You don't think about it. We do. I'd love to just before we we uh, we we wrap up. We, we do have to mention that um, the uh, the end part with uh, the two actresses in that are like it's not just um, like Kirsten Stewart is fantastic, but it's the um, I can't remember her name. Um, uh, Lily Gladstone. Uh, Lily Gladstone. Um, she's been in a few movies, I think, but um, she's just she's in First Cow, I think. But like I said, oh god, I yeah, I think like Kelly Reichardt is one of those people that when when she works with you and she likes you, she will keep you forever. <laughs> like I was obviously Michelle Williams has been in most of her movies, and um, you, the guy who plays um, uh, the the partner and also the guy who's Laura Dern's having an affair with, he's in a lot of her films as well. Like sometimes in small tar- parts, sometimes in bigger parts, um, uh, and I just like I feel like she builds up relationships with. Um, there's a writer as well who, um, I can't remember his name. I think he wrote Mildred Pierce, possibly the TV adaptation, but she works with him a lot. Um, and she just tends to have these like very long relationships with people, um, which I think is very lovely. And, uh, (laughs) more, more movies of women working together, please. Um. But yeah, that that actress is absolutely fantastic, and I want her to be in absolutely everything. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts? Montana is very empty. <laughs> Ricardo's just staring at Google Maps now. <laughs> yeah, like it's gas. Uh, I love doing so, and uh, thinking about the food in the places. But the funniest thing about like speaking of like place names or places and and uh, states having a particular sensibility, uh, Kelly Reichardt is from Florida. <laughs> That's Jesus. where she was born. It's... Doesn't that seem incorrect? <laughs> yeah, like uh, I remember like somebody uh, saying that all her movies were set in Oregon, and I'm like, obviously not. Oregon. <laughs> Ricardo, uh, what was your favorite thing? Although I think I can guess. <laughs> Well, like, obviously, my favorite thing was the, the the last bit, but like in itself, it's kind of like difficult to pinpoint what what made it my favorite thing because, like, obviously, soundtrack and cinematography is by the same crew as the other two bits, and like the performances are all around. Yeah, like I think that the best think about the movie is the last part of the movie but like in general i think it's like the sense of place you really feel montana and it's Mm. what i like in a way of places that have seasons uh like defined seasons (laughs) because you can watch a movie set in montana like river runs through it the brad pitt uh movie uh, directed by robert redford that is about like fly fishing of all things (laughs) in like the 1920s that like Montana looks incredibly idyllic then you know like it's everything is like fucking sun just like 
shining through tree like the canopy while you're in a river mm-hmm. and just wearing like a short sleeve or whatever and then you have similar to like nebraska every place in the midwest like the winter is so fucking miserable because it just snows but it's like flat snows high winds this kind of like almost desert like <laughs> environment mm. montana is very similar to that but then you have like what this movie said pretty much in autumn that yeah. is like soggy is the way the, the only way to describe <laughs> it it's soggy soggy and windy yeah it's a soggy place but there's not even like you know you you think about autumn in vermont or something when you think about america that is you know oh this is so lovely the like vermont is like yeah the grass gets browner you know like there <laughs> there's no kind of like the winds get stronger <laughs> And even whenever they're like talking in the second part about like the pioneer days and stuff like that, I'm like, why would you like, you know, like people that stop there? <laughs> it's like, why did Keep you stop? Going Keep going to the <laughs> coast. <laughs> I like it overall. Like I think that, like if you like the performances in a way are like, because even in the the middle part, like there is no moment that there's a bad performance. You know, like even like the. The daughter could have been so annoying in the middle part. And it's like even little details that she's not on the phone. She's annoyed because she's trying to read she's her Kindle. Also, she's also like, she has a fucking point. Because they're, then they're like, we do always keep her out here. And like, that's kind of shit. If you're like, yeah, you'll have the afternoon to yourself. And then you just don't give it to her. And then you get annoyed when she's annoyed. It's like she, they give her a lot of kind of autonomy there that she feels like a real character and that like she is kind of a shithead but she's still a teenager but at the same time like you have to respect teenagers like because they're fucking people you know i quite like the little details yeah and i think that it's like it's the bit that is like the details like okay so what was your favorite thing (laughs) uh yeah it's, it's the third part um i mean it's the third part, but it, I don't think the third part is so much better than the first part, but it does. I think my favorite part is Kristen Stewart cutting her burger in half to eat it. I think quite possibly because it really sums up what is so perfect about how she creates the world. And it's so specific. And like the way she eats everything, there's even the way she eats the sandwich, the way she's like, I love it. The meals change as well. I love that. Like just like the energy of the waitress when she takes the sandwich and gives it to like the other woman, like the, the energy of the cook giving it to her, like everything is so specific. Like the guy kind of like eating his soup and oh, it is just like hook it to my veins. It's like it's so well drawn and i love that diner and how they keep using it as like the thing that they return to and even that like the wait like the waitress comes over and uh and it's like says to her like you know oh you uh, is that your horse it's like you know can you give it some water like oh is your truck broken you know like you get the the fact that even though she just hasn't lived there very long she doesn't really know people people know of her they know that she ha- you know it's like it's so oh also, there's one other shot that quite possibly may also be my favorite thing, where there's like a little sequence 
in the middle where she's like you know tying to the horses and she's got her little dog and the dog's like looking like for mice oh. or whatever um sorry just to go back before <laughs> i forget dog. is the 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 corgi uh whenever <laughs> we're watching it uh i uh i completely forgot about the corgi until you mentioned it there but uh my um the thing i'll remember from years from now watching this movie is that i said when watching the movie that the corgi was the mvp of the movie <laughs> to alex and then every time that i like a shot cut and then like the corgi is there i'll be like shouting like mvp <laughs> it's just corgis they're little bums they're just their little legs i love them they're so funny it's such a funny dog um <laughs> like the, the fucking dog has a character like oh but there's there's one shot where she's put out bales for the horses and uh it cuts to like a wide shot of just the horses coming into the frame and they sort of they go to one it's so beautifully timed and it's it's not even it's just like the horses just did it they're still like you know, they just, they put the camera and let the horses go do whatever they wanted. But like, one goes to one and then it moves to another one. And then one goes to one, but then moves to, and they eventually land on the hay that they're going to eat. And it is like, oh, it is just pure fucking visual poetry. And like, it's so simple. It's like, I hate her because she's so good. <laughs> I love you, Kelly. I love you. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Uh, I was thinking there, and that's why I build out on the um, my favorite things at the end. Is that I think that the middle part, uh, like just in the process of discussing it with you, mm-hmm. I think I narrowed down what my issue is. Oh, very good. Is that there's not a character to hang to in that part, because in all the other parts, there's at least one character that you're not necessarily. Uh, it's not an audience surrogate per se, but it's somebody mm-hmm. that you can completely understand and empathize with. Understand and get behind. With, but... It's yeah, mm-hmm. like it kind of the way like in like none of the characters in the middle part are particularly awful, but they're not particularly interesting either. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the bit that uh, they're interesting in the sense of like their interconnections, like the relationship is interesting. But it's almost uh, her relationship with the husband. It's kind of like interesting because you know that he's cheating on her. Mm. It's not you like start they're... that on off with the baggage. Yeah, and it's not only that you have the baggage. Is that like without that baggage, that would be n- like a nothing part. I know that you can't remove the baggage because it's part of the the intent of the movie. But I mean, is mm. that like? There are hints and stuff of what's happening outside, but when it comes to like characterization and character building and stuff like that, the way that I put it is that the other movie, like the the moment that I think a character becomes real in a movie for me is when I imagine what they do. Like even in movies that you can't see their apartments, I imagine what they do after they get home from what you saw. You know, like... Uh, yeah. 
I imagine like Laura Dern getting home and like putting like a microwave TV dinner and putting like watching something, you know? Oh, the shot of her with the dog and she's just like rubbing the dog with her foot. Yeah. And it's so natural. The dog just like, like it's oh, she's just watching TV. There's something about shots of people where they're watching what is clearly mindless television and you don't see the tv you don't you can't even really hear what's going on but it's literally just it's such a like i am home from work i am tired i need to zone out now and that it feels so real where she's just got the dog there it's oh it's so delightful so yeah like i think that that's um part i think of the it feels more like a movie and that's why um it just stops it from being great because it's the third of the movie. Yeah. What about you? Um, oh, that's probably his favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, like it is the middle. There's, there's just less little moments that are small but give the world more depth as well. Like even her smoking and, you know, like it, it feels real but they're just you can't you're not connecting i think it's like what you were saying about uh uh having something to hang your your yourself on you know of like just that thing that brings you in even whenever like you don't have to like the characters or whatever or agree with what they're doing you need to be able to like you know connect with them in some sense uh and although i i like what happens in the sequence and i like how it's it's dealt with of like things that are said and unsaid i love like the guy in his house and uh just the whole thing of like, just when he needs to take the stone and like, there's the one part where she waves at him in the window and he just stares at her and like, it's so good. That's but, the uh, final shot, isn't it? Of uh, that part. The, I think so, yeah. And then we come back whenever they're having like the barbecue. Uh, <laughs> there's one thing when like, when she gives him his burger and, uh, she's like giving it to the daughter and she's like you know take take a napkin and the daughter won't take it she like throws a napkin at her and she it's uh there's something about how she gives each person the plate which i quite like uh then he's like could i have a beer <laughs> just kidding and you're like oh i would kill him <laughs> you know it's like and they're like in this tent but they're watching a football game it's so bizarre it's like what is this who are these people where are these people staying why are you in this tent so bizarre uh yeah, yeah also it, uh, like it's I, I mentioned that to Alex that is like the kind of guy yeah. that says like stop working but he won't actually do any work so you can actually stop uh, working. It's like yes! so he can feel good about himself for saying yes! stop. But... Exactly. So good. Uh but yeah, it uh it's funny like in a like in a film that has this sequence in it which is like really good and there are things about it, but like it is the weakest part. But in saying that I'm glad that um uh, you did like the other parts. And, oh yeah, uh, like uh, just to make clear, like uh, in mm -hmm. other anthology movies by a lesser filmmaker, probably be the best part in the moment. It just looks lesser because it's yeah. sandwiched between two really, really good parts. Mm. <sighs> well, that was certain women. Uh, Ricardo, where can they find us? So the recommendation game is on Facebook. Uh, at the rec game is on twitter on gmail it is the recommendation game at gmail.com and you can find us on your podcaster of choice and spotify and 
you can also listen to us on WTHO Radio every second Monday. Yay! Next week's film is Ricardo's choice. It is indeed. What are you picking? I am picking Ali Fear Eats the Soul. <laughs> I feel like we're on a very good run of movies. Yes. Uh, Hopefully this won't be the end I like. Of it. <laughs> I like how many uh, uh, foreign language films we've been picking as well. Uh, yeah, well, uh, until then, I was Orlando Nicholas. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>